everybody. Welcome to Fully Puffed, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Grace, and these are my hosts, Catherine. Hello. And Ebo. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for your patience. I know we had a little break in recording. Uh, We had a lot of exciting life stuff, but we are back and we are really thrilled to be talking about Gilmore Girls again, (laughs) even though this is an episode that I think is a little controversial. (laughs) Evo and I really don't like it. I think the feelings are just mixed. Let's leave it at that. We'll get into it. So we're going to start, as we always do, with our episode summary, and Catherine's going to kick us off. All right. So after a cold open where we learn about Lorelai and Rory's history with pets, we get a scene of Lorelai and Max cleaning up after dinner at his house. Apparently, they've been seeing each other for a little bit now, and both of them seem to be really, really happy in the relationship. Max lends Lorelai his copy of Swan's Way, and when Lorelai comes home that night, Rory notices how over the moon she seems. At Friday night dinner, we learn that Chilton's Parents' Day is coming up. The next night, when Rory and Lorelai are getting ready for their respective nights out, Max arrives early, and Rory has to get to the door for him. They have an incredibly awkward conversation where Max asks her to call him Max, not Mr. Medina, and suggests they might be seeing more of each other outside of school because of how well his relationship with Lorelai seems to be going. The next day, when Lorelai and Rory are preparing to go ice skating, Rory suggests that Max come along, using his first name, and Lorelai freaks out. That night, Suki and Lorelai are in Lorelai's kitchen, and when Suki learns that Lorelai hasn't seen Max in a bit, slash doesn't seem too keen on contacting him, Suki calls Lorelai out on this being Lorelai's typical pattern, where when a relationship takes two months, Lorelai gets freaked out and bails. Lorelai insists that no, it isn't like that. She's just worried that Rory is getting too emotionally attached. Suki says that no, Lorelai is worried that she is getting too attached to Max. When Lorelai accidentally mentions Suki's lack of recent relationships, Suki starts thinking, and we see her ask out Jackson, finally, at the end of the episode, which is, for me, a huge bright spot. (laughs) Back to chronological order, though. We're at Chilton, and Max awkwardly stops Rory and asks if Lorelai is coming to Parents' Day, and tells Rory that he hasn't heard from Lorelai. When Rory reveals this to Lorelai, Lorelai is really angry that Max asked Rory this at school, and says she can't come to Parents' Day. Rory gets mad because she likes Max and doesn't understand why Lorelai seems to want to break up with him. And when Lorelai asks if Rory will give Max his copy of Swan's Way, Rory says that Lorelai can do it herself. Lorelai ends up going to Parents' Day and tries to give Max the book back. He figures out she's breaking up with him and refuses to let her, apparently because he can tell she's only ending things because she's scared, at least in his opinion. They end up kissing, and Paris, who's had the whole school gossiping for weeks about her parents' divorce, tells everybody it's Chilton. When Rory finds out, she confronts Lorelai, though she's angrier about Lorelai dumping Max, because Rory likes Max, than the whole school finding out. And so, at Friday night dinner, Emily, who somehow found out about the kiss, freaks out on Lorelai. Lorelai explains that she's been dating Max and was breaking up with him, and when Emily sarcastically asks if he was the one, Lorelai says he might have been. Then we see Max and Lorelai meet up at a cafe to talk things through, And Lorelai explains that she initially got scared because it seemed like Rory was getting attached, and she was worried that if she and Max broke up, Rory would get hurt. And that turned into realizing that if she and Max broke up, she would be the one who would be hurt. 
Max says that he got in huge trouble with Headmaster Charleston and explains that he can't figure out what to do with their relationship. He says that maybe they should take some time away from each other, and Lorelai, clearly devastated, agrees. They affirm that they both really, really like each other, and then they leave. And then later, we see Rory come home from somewhere, and she can't find Lorelai, only to find that her mother is crying in bed. Also, I want to note that the Netflix description of the whole episode is, after Paris causes a scandal by exposing the relationship between a parent and a teacher, he is confronted, which is like a very bizarrely Paris-centric. Also, it's like the last 15 minutes of the episode. I know that a lot of other podcasts have talked about like who the heck writes these Netflix descriptions. I don't know about this one. I guess because like they wanted to center it on Paris because the title is Paris is Burning. But like like you said, Eva, she's not really in most of the episode. No, she has like four lines throughout it. Yeah. I guess though, it's like building though, because she causes the scandal because of the scandal with her own family. They're like Mm -hmm. peppering through the first part. That's a good, no, that's a good point. To be fair to the Netflix uh, summary writers, they have a hard job, like not revealing too much spoilers, but also like giving some summary of the episode. So we'll cut them back. Can we get that? Like Lorelai has second thoughts on a current relationship that are put to the test when she has to attend an event. Like so much better. (laughs) That would be so much better. You should. It actually like is a description of the episode. Yeah, Netflix, hire me. That's a good one. Can we make a new segment that's like Ebo's five second description of the episode? Yes. So much better. Netflix description versus what actually happens. (laughs) So, do we want to talk about like the director, writer, production stuff? Yeah, so there's not a ton of information. So it was directed by David Petrarca. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. There seems to be no consistency in his television directing. He has directed episodes of Dawson's Creek, True Blood, two episodes of Game of Thrones. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm not feeling any like True Blood or Game of Thrones vibes in this episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's... It's a little weird. I mean, it's fine. He's just picking up work where he can get it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, but he did direct something really funny. Save the Last Dance too. No. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Save the Encore Dance. Yeah. <laughs> David Petrarca, uh, okay. True Blood and Save the Last Dance too. Um, and then it was written by Joan Binder Weiss, who we may recall from Love and War and Snow. So she's, you know, a Max enthusiast, I guess. She's well acquainted with the plot line. Yeah. Um, but she also wrote some episodes of the show Everwood, which I believe was also on the WB and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So that's that. Not super interesting, but... Yeah, it's notable. <laughs> notable. Save the Last Dance 2 is notable. Um, <laughs> so in the cold open, Lorelai and Rory are walking through Stars Hollow and they happen across some pets for adoption and Lorelai almost gets a puppy. The description of Buttercup, uh, the dog that they almost <laughs> get, reacts really weirdly to everything. <laughs> Number one, really speaks to me as the owner of like two weird pets, TM. And also Paul Anka, who's the dog that, spoiler alert, Lorelai eventually adopts, is going to be like every bit as weird as Buttercup. 
It's true. I didn't think about that because I think there's like a few episodes where Lorelai's looking at pets. Mm-hmm. I know there's at least one more. Oh, maybe that's just the one where she gets Polanka. And they have like an exhaustive list. And Miss Patty comes over of like pets. They've had like turtles and. Yeah, that's what I thought this one was. Yeah, me but too. And as the dialogue continued, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is just the first of two times we hear about their questionable, their checkered past with pet adoption. Uh, but I didn't, like, Grace, you pointed out that that Buttercup is like a proto Polanka. She is spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> I love Polanka. Um, Lorelai's secret dark history with pets, which is. As you said, this is like the first episode we'll get that and it'll be later much expanded on. Like, what's up with that? I also just, I couldn't stop thinking about the smell of like what that hamster cage must have smelled like. Oh my God. An uncleaned hamster cage filled with tissues, which would absorb all of the like hamster pee. Ew. Yeah. No, thank you. So upsetting. <laughs> and know, and that she brought it back to the pet store and left it on the counter. Like, imagine like rolling up to work and finding this <laughs> smelly hamster cage with a decaying hamster in it. Like, no, thank you. I always remember this one wrong, and I always like think that the hamster died. So it's kind of a relief for me when I remember that he he skippy he did in fact survive, but like barely. It's not significantly better. No. no. So Lorelai will not get a pet here, but she will get Paul and go later and be, ironically, I think a very good pet owner to him. But yeah. And then the next scene, uh, we cut to Max and Lorelai cleaning up after dinner at his house. I hate to admit this, but I love Max's apartment. It has like perfect 2000s rom-com, like urban aspirational apartment vibes. Urban intellectual. It's yeah, really exposed good. brick. Yeah, it's great. I don't know what the rent is in Hartford, but Max has got a good deal on this. This is a great apartment. Hartford, median rent. One moment. <laughs> um, the in average rent for an apartment in Hartford is thirteen forty-two. That's not bad. That's, That's better than Charlottesville. He was probably paying like nine hundred a month for this place in two thousand. Oh, um, probably less than that. Oh. Good for Max Medina. The only time I'll ever say that. Also, Max, like, making Asobuco really reminds me of the dinner party episode from The Office. Oh. Speaking of cringe television. (laughs) It makes it impossible for me to watch this scene with a straight face, which, to be fair, I think it's impossible to watch this scene with a straight face in general. Wait, when was that episode of The Office? It had to have been, like, 2000... Probably 2004, 2005. Yeah. Um, was also Buko like a thing in the early 2000s? I've never like eaten Asabuko in my entire life or even been somewhere where it was served. There was this very like Goodfellas-esque Italian restaurant back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> as I, uh, Alfred and I always wanted to go to. We were always joked that we were going to go and we never did. You know, the type of place that has, like, the Chianti bottles with the, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like, wax melted all over them. And I remember they had also buco on the menu there. So, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm vegan, so I wouldn't eat it. It's, what is it? It's, like, it's meat. It's like a weird it's meat. It's sort of, like, meat concoct. It's, like, a lot of meat. 
Oh, it's cross-cut veal shanks braised with vegetables. Veal? No. Oh, that's rough. Also, I think, like, maybe after the popularity of that Office episode, like, almost every restaurant removed it from their menu because, like, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> You can't like present that as a serious dish after that episode of The Office. I just always think of Michael dipping his meat into his wine glass. <laughs> I think about the wine that Pam brings over and Jan's like, oh, this will be great for cooking with. Yeah. Such a roast. Also, so like this is the scene where Lorelai gets, she picks up Max's copy of Proust Swan's Way and I'm like flips through it and Max gives it to her. Are you guys Proust people? I'm not a Proust. I've never read Proust and I've always kind of felt vaguely embarrassed by that because I feel like it's kind of a requirement, but I don't think I know anybody who's like a Proust person. I've never uh, read anything by Proust. Alfred has read all of In Search of Lost Time. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for him. So, okay. So I have tried to read Proust. I can't even tell you how many times in English <laughs> and French and I've given up every time <laughs> and I don't I don't know like I, I I feel bad about that and especially since Alfred went through all of it but I there's like really bad translations out there and so then I was like I gotta get the right translation and then I was like no then I need to read it in French and then I <laughs> that and so I'm a I'm a Proust failure no I really hard it's <laughs> really hard I think if you go through it with that much effort and it doesn't work out I think that's fine like you really try to do it I think that's okay. Like, I mean, it's like the prototypical book that like people think they should read but don't read. Like, it's I think beautiful. I feel like that's Anna Karenina. Oh, I, I feel, feel like Tolstoy is more like everyone thinks they should read this, but no one actually does. Yeah, I think that War and Peace and Anna Karenina are big ones too in that same category of like things that people are always telling themselves they should read but are actually not making it through. Of course, Max has read Proust because Max is annoying. Not that all people that read Proust are annoying, but like Max is extremely annoying and that is a, a prime Max feature. Oh God, at least I didn't choose Infinite Jest. <laughs> Do you guys think Max is an Infinite Jest guy though? Oh. No. Uh, uh, I don't know. Max has definitely read Infinite Jest, but I don't think he's like a DFW guy. Yeah, that's fair. He's too like well-adjusted socially. <laughs> True, and also he's into like earlier literature. Like it seems yeah. like his sweet spot is like Renaissance through like nineteenth century, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Um, this scene is hard to watch. It Not starts like off cute, and then it goes downhill really fast. Do I like, like it. I mean, obviously, I don't like the schoolgirl stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. hard to think about, <laughs> but. I just think, I don't know. I like Max's apartment. I like Lorelai's sweater. I like the food and the wine looks really good. And I mean, I don't want to eat veal, but it still looks like a nice dinner. It's I like cute. She's like sitting on the counter eating while he cleans up. Like, that's very cute. cute. I actually yeah. agree with that. I think the scene is really cute up until the weird. Up point. until she wanders over to his desk. Yeah. <laughs> Lorelai walks over. And she starts kind of looking at the papers, as those of us who are a little bit on the nosy side tend to do. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Maurice Dickinson paper. I, have you read it yet? It's, it's really good. And he's like, no, not yet. And she was like, okay, well, I can just save you the time and put an A on it. And he makes a comment about how that wouldn't be fair to the other kids whose moms aren't there that night. 
And they kind of like continue along that for a while. And then at the very end of the scene, <laughs> they start like They start making out in his living room and he's like, so I forget who, oh, Lorelai makes a comment of like, is this for extra credit? All this other girl had to do was like clean the erasers or something like that. And uh, uh, my notes just say, ew, 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 this is, ew, 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 is this my extra credit work? This is like the number one hard to watch moment in Gilmore Girls, closely tied with the other moment in this episode where they break up. Like, both yeah. are so difficult for me to, like, have my eyes on the TV or even be listening. I'm just, like, I feel myself recoil in my body. I just, It doesn't bother me that much, to be honest. Just it's, a, it's a joke. It's a joke. I know, but it's weird. It's not like, I don't know. If it was, if he seemed into it, it yes. would bother me. But that's a good point. It's yeah. Just, just kidding. I mean, I, I don't think, know. I think that's a good point. Like, if he he's not into it at all. And it's, like, weird. Like, Lorelai is the weird one in this situation. It's just bizarre because, like, her daughter is his student. So, like... Yeah, so- wrote a very great paper about Emily Dickinson. Yeah, and Lorelai, like, don't try to influence Max to give your daughter a better grade. That's why teachers should not be dating their kids' parents. I don't think she was actually... I, th- I think the whole thing is a joke, but it does, like point it does demonstrate to the audience that like Lorelai is actually incapable why do you even want to say Lorelai like anybody would be incapable of separating themselves from the situation <laughs> this idea that like it's perfectly okay well we'll talk about this later that it's perfectly okay in the Chilton bylaws that he date a parent and that nobody at Chilton would care and that it's totally fine and that they can have boundaries it's all fake it's all false like it falls yeah. apart because, like, no matter how you how much you tell yourself, you're not going to let it influence you. Like, subconsciously, of course it is. Yeah. That's, I guess, my problem with it, with the whole relationship, distilled down. Yeah. I will say, though, I do like the next scene where Lorelai comes home from staying out, like, late that night at Max's house, and Rory can tell that she's happy. Yeah, it's also very much, like, Rory's the adult in this household. They're pushing that really hard, this episode. So much of this episode is on the nose. There's yeah. no there's no subtlety in the dialogue or like the plot writing. Yeah. yeah. So like here Rory's the mom waiting up for her daughter to come home from her date and then when Max comes over later she's like the dad talking to the, you know, new boyfriend about his intentions kind of. It's it's all very Rory is the adult. <laughs> Lorelai's the child. Yeah. There's no think also I don't know if this is what they were thinking, but it also just paints the immaturity of her decision to date Rory's teacher. Also, I do want to say, though, that Rory's, like, stay-at-home nights are iconic to me. I know. I, know. <laughs> I remember in high school, I was always, like, whenever my, it was, like, a Saturday, and I got to, like, cook dinner for myself and just, like, sit on the couch and watch whatever I wanted. Oh, It's priceless. And then I you, know. like, fall asleep on the couch, too. Like, Rory's like, oh, I'm going to stay out here. And it's like, oh, I, I relate to that. Like, you're going to have one special bad night where you, like, don't go to sleep in your bed. Just stay yeah. on the couch because it's so much effort to move. I still do that. It's really fun. It happens sometimes. <laughs> so then we get we go to Chilton and Max is lecturing on Emily Dickinson. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I don't Emily Dickinson wasn't really a recluse, but as far as like weird Max lecturing goes, it's like totally okay. Wasn't she though later in life? I mean, yeah. I don't know. 
so like she did become really reclusive later in life but like she had a lot more life experience because of like what life was set up in like those new england towns like her house was kind of like a social hub and like earlier in life too like she had a lot of people coming to the house and like she had sort of not romantic relationships but like quasi-romantic relationships and she actually interacted with a lot of people even though like geographically she didn't travel very far that was my understanding. I was wondering why you like kind of pushed back on that, but um, I see what you mean. I did want to point out though that Grace, you had a problem with Chilton's English class like earlier in the in the series where they were just like jumping all around. At least in this episode, they're going from uh, Dickinson to Walt Whitman, so there's some consistency <laughs> with like American poets. <laughs> They've so kind of fixed that. At some point, someone decided to change the curriculum from just, like, stuff Max Medina wants to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's organize this by thematic category. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely true. And then we learned <laughs> later at Friday Night Dinner that there's going to be another Chilton Parents event where this time they're going to follow the kids around in school all day. All this school does is make parents come to crap. Yeah. I mean, the way that I kind of read all of this was that it's assuming that like mom is staying home full time or at least I mean one parent but likely mom given the like socioeconomic and likely political climate at Chilton like that's the way that I read it is like okay because dad is out making money mom can come to this all-day parents event I think that's a really smart reading of it and I think that places like the tension that we'll see Lorelai have where like she has to be expected to make all of these events and then when she's not like Chilton yells at her really yeah. interesting because she's a single mom and she's not in that socioeconomic class and she's not in that stay-at-home role mm-hmm. right Emily would be suited to going to those sort of events actually well, like maybe, it up. yeah maybe she Lorelai should let her go to a couple of them remember it, when Rory's in college she uh Lorelai finds out that Richard and Emily have been going to all the parents' weekends. <laughs> I was thinking about that. And they love it. <laughs> yeah. God, I love the later episodes of the show so much. Even though that's season seven, but like that's that's a highlight. Um, no, it's not canon. Yeah, it's not canon, but like what good fan fiction of Gilmore Girls someone wrote. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we see Lorelai and Rory getting ready for their respective dates. And Max is early because he's Max. And they debate over whether Rory is going to answer the door for him. Lorelai really insists that, like, Rory go down and answer the door. So she – and Rory's like, no, I don't want to do that because I'm not supposed to be here. That's the rules. Like, I'm not supposed to meet the men you're dating. And Lorelai is weirdly insistent that it's fine. And I always found this, like, very inconsistent with not only her character in the other episodes, but, like, her character in the rest of this episode where Mm -hmm. she's – she suddenly becomes a stickler for her rules. And I guess you can say that that's because like her rules in this case, in this episode are kind of becoming like an excuse for her to jump Max. But it's still bizarre that she's just like, whatever, go answer the door. Go say hello to your teacher who I am dating. Well, now in your home. Maybe, because I think it's weird too, but maybe we could consider that like, it's because of this interaction that Lorelai freaks out. Like suddenly it's all too clear that she's not going to be able to separate the worlds. That's a good point. That like it kind of takes away the fantasy that she's had that like, oh no, I can have this perfect relationship with Max and I can have this relationship with my daughter and like they can be totally separate. Yeah. 
Tori can have her 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 Chilton life, and like she doesn't have to think about Max like dating in my life. Yeah, I think that's like a really interesting undertone of the relationships in this episode that doesn't really like get articulated explicitly ever. Mm-hmm. I like the scene because I like getting ready. I like getting dressed, uh, going out, you know, scenes. But I am curious. I mean, Lorelai's wearing a slip. Is this a thing? Do you guys wear slips? <laughs> Catherine, when I saw your note about that, I felt embarrassed because I do wear slips sometimes yeah. for like work stuff. Sometimes I have like some kind of gauzy looking dresses and sometimes they like need to slip under them so they're not see-through. But I do know it's a slightly older model of things. And like usually stuff is lined if you're buying something like nicer. Yeah. And I remember like I don't own anything now that requires a slip. But I remember growing up like some like party dress, like Easter type dresses or like party dresses would have one that came with it. I like her. I think it's pretty. At first I thought it was the dress, like a slip dress. And then I remember that it's a slip because her skirt gets caught in it. And I was like, I want that. It's so pretty. It's like blue. and Also, now those are dresses that people wear. I know. (laughs) The slip dress is coming back. Another like early 2000s thing that is like reentering our consciousness. I do think that the conversation that Rory and Max have as difficult as it is to watch is like kind of funny at the beginning. Yeah. When Rory's like trying to offer him water and she's like, well, we have bottled water. Well, we have one water. <laughs> it feels very relatable. <laughs> yeah, and like I do like how he seems even more uncomfortable than Rory does. Yes. It would be very weird if you were comfortable. I will say, though, that the part I hate is when the conversation shifts to Max. And I think this is understandable, being like, oh, you don't have to call me Mr. Medina outside of school context. And Rory's like, no, I really can't do that. Like, you have to be Mr. Medina to me. Because, like, I can't call my professors who I've worked with for years anything other than, like, Professor X. And they're like, call me my first name. And I'm like, no, I can't no. do that. But I will say that what's extremely weird is Max being like, oh, we'll give each other other outside of school names. Is that just, like, does that strike anything anyone else is, like, something that they would teach you in Stranger Danger? <laughs> I know. This, like, an adult tries to do this, don't let them. They're a danger. I think it's, first of all, I want to point out that when you threw me for a loop there, when you were talking about Professor X, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, did Grace go to X-Men school? Yes, I did go to the office. I know, I was going to say, like, just like another office reference, just like Dwight. I went to X-Men school. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, and I did not attend uh, X-Men school. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's, like, very bizarre. I don't, no, it makes me feel icky. It's <laughs> icky and bizarre. You know, yeah. there's no way to make it normal. <laughs> That's true. They're just like really leaning into it. Yeah. And I think the like they are really leaning to it. And I think the example, like, we're supposed to get that from the fact that the name Rory suggests is Norman, like Norman Bates <laughs> from Psycho. She's like, oh, it was on earlier. And then he and I always think about you, Catherine, whenever the rare times I watch this episode, because the next thing that she suggests is Alfred, which is Catherine's husband's name. And he's like horrified. Oh my god, like Alfred is a perfectly fine name. I I love the name Alfred. I had heard about Alfred before we even met, and I was like, wow, that's a cool name. Like Norman. <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> No offense to any Normans who may be listening. No, do it. Fully Puff's official stance on Norman is we don't like the name Norman. Norman sucks. 
dislike. Not only because of the connotations. Yeah, we just don't like it as a name. Oh, oh, okay. I meant to point this out. Evo, you saw this too, I think. There is, okay, silliest, grossest, weirdest clown pillow in the background of this scene. Grace, did you see this? No, I think I'm incapable of physically like spotting the clown pillow. People have tried to point it out to me in multiple episodes because I think it reappears or it comes earlier and I just like yeah. can't see it. It's awful. It sticks out. It like definitely sticks out. What does it look like? Like is it knit or something? No, it looks like it's either embroidered or yeah. like there might be some sequins involved or some beading. It's excessive. It's excessively bad. <laughs> It's also this, like, primary – it's mostly in primary colors, which just, like, makes it stick out from their living room, which is, like, soft peaches and (laughs) light yellow. Why do you think that it's in there? Like, was somebody trying to figure out, like, oh, Lorelai's quirky. What would she like? Like, Lorelai's not a clown person. No, I think that's it, though. It stuck out to me this episode because it's like we have Psycho and then there's a Shining reference later. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Pennywise, even though it does not look like Pennywise. I had horror movies on the brain, but it was in another episode. Oh, it's, it's just- in a bunch of them. It's in like- Lorelai's first day at Chilton. It looks like it's in, oh, oh yeah, it's it's in a lot of them. It shows up in season seven, it looks like. No, somebody it kept it for six years. Yeah. And they were like, oh, Amy Sherman Valentina is gone. Time to get this thing out of storage. That is so weird. Did you just send me something? Or you just I, ta- I just Google image Gilmore Girls clown okay. pillow. Oh. <laughs> I'm still think I'm going to look it up. Gilmore Girls clown pillow. And then there's a post on the subreddit. Ew! Ew! What is this? <laughs> Ew! It's so much worse than I thought it would be. I like that we got your reaction in real time. Oh my god, it looks like something from um oh my god, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so awful. That's what I'm like really, but it's very vulgar. Yes, he asked on Reddit where they could find it. And the first response is I think you can find that pillow in my nightmares. <laughs> I kind of expected something like more cartoony, like a cute little clown, and that is not what that is. Listeners, I highly suggest you Google Gilmore Girls clown pillow. <laughs> it's hard. Oh, and has it somebody made a, a Twitter for it? No, oh they what's their handle? At clown pillow. I support <laughs> heads. I haunt dreams. Location, Lorelai Gilmore's count. <laughs> Now I'm on like the regular search page for the Gilmore Girls clown pillow, and so many people have posted about this pillow. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like there's hundred, like not hundreds of Reddit posts, but like so many Reddit posts about it. And there's like an insider article, cool details you never got on the first season of Gilmore Girls. I don't know if I would say this is a cool detail. Buzzfeed article it's included in. Oh my god, this is very odd. That's amazing. I need to get like a full oral history of the clown pillow. Like I need to like, <laughs> come in and like give us a breakdown of how this happened. <laughs> Very upsetting. <laughs> um, on that note, I want to move <laughs> out to Gilmore Girls' house as fast as possible. So good thing we're in Luke's diner. We get a little Jackson Suki bookering over zucchini tushes versus squash blossoms, which for me is a palate <laughs> in this episode, palate cleanser, because uh, I love them so much. And I do want to call attention to this like particular thing of dialogue that I think is really cute. Rory says, Jackson invented a new vegetable, huh? And Suki says, yup. 
And Rory says, it's too bad that bowling league didn't work out for him. Which is, that's in Jackson canon because we all know that Jackson also took like a diarying class at the YMCA because he was bored when he was single. I forgot about his diary class. Oh my God. Yuki says he's a searcher. It's really so cute. Jackson, if you were single in 2022, would definitely be on like meetup.com, like looking for like. So when we moved into this house, the previous people had a planted a vegetable garden in the back and I, we are not gardeners, but we have gardening aspirations that, <laughs> I mean, we're like, I'm in my thirties, there's forties. Realistically, this is never going to happen, but we, we want to be gardeners. Yeah. Every spring and summer, I go out to the, to the garden and I see what pops up because stuff still randomly pops up anyway, but we get squash blossoms. And every year that they pop up, I think about Suki and I think about this scene and I think, oh, I want to make fried squash blossoms. You don't want to make zucchini tushes? They don't no. sound as good to you? No. <laughs> I want to do zucchini tush. I think they need a new name, definitely. They need to be rebranded. Yeah. Um, I love it. I want the blossoms more than the tushes. That's fair. And then Lorelai shows up with her old skates because she and apparently she and Rory are going to go ice skating. I don't know where the heck they're going to go because we do not. I, well, I guess there is an ice rink in near Stars Hollow because in season three when Dean is like on the hockey team, but we never hear about it between those two times. And she says that Rory's going to be Nancy Kerrigan and she's going to be Tanya Harding. <laughs> I mean, Rory is a Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could have seen that. Like, oh, I wish we could get an extended cut. <laughs> we should, if you like enough of a super fan, you should be able to access deleted scenes like this that never really existed in the first place. But don't you guys think that, I think that Lauren Graham kind of looks like Nancy Kerrigan. No, I actually think she really does too. But Nancy Kerrigan has such like perfect vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Lorelai's spirit is more of a Tanya Harding. (laughs) I'm curious. I feel like this illusion probably makes more sense to people nowadays because of I, Tanya, than it would have in the 2000s. When did that happen? Was that the 90s or was that the late 80s? I think it was the late 90s. Oh, late 90s. Okay. Oh, 94. Oh, okay. So it would have been relatively recent. We have had a resurgence of Tanya and Nancy culture. Yeah. I think, I think if you were watching this in like 2015 and you're a younger person, you might be confused. As a yeah. kind of like trashy pop culture, I knew the reference. Yeah, I also knew the reference. You're a certain type of person if this is the reference you get in Gilmore Girls. And that's the people we puffed for. I fully watched the E! True Hollywood story on Tanya Ah! Harding multiple times. Guys, I used to watch so many E! True Hollywood stories and behind the music. So it's like a 12 Oh my God, me too. E! True Hollywood story. It's like, oh yeah, time to strap in for like the salt and pepper behind the music. Of your style. <laughs> right after I watched like The Girls Next Door and stuff like that. God, I was used to be obsessed with The Girls Next Door. Oh, the best show. And there <laughs> you know, and I could do a podcast on The Girls Next Door. A, a real formative influence on me. Um, you should do a spinoff. <laughs> I do want to mention that Luke offers to tighten Lorelai's skates for her, which is like a very overtly flirty move, I always thought. Very cute. That's very like Luke acts of service Danes. I was just going to say it's his love language. Yeah. <laughs> Luke's love language is absolutely acts of service. Good call, Ebo. Thank you. Have you read the book? I have not read the book. 
No, I just know that I'm an act of service slash quality time. <laughs> oh, I definitely can see that for you. I think I'm a words of affirmation. Yeah, I'm not that, nor my physical touch. <laughs> I think that was off the table. I was not even going to mention you. I don't. So it's acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation. affirmation. Is that and it? Presence, like gift giving. Oh, yeah. Probably physical touch. <laughs> oh, that's a cute one. Yeah. Yeah. Be judgy, like words of affirmation. It's like you have to be constantly <laughs> affirmed. <laughs> Acts of service. I was, I were like physical touches, the good ones. Gift giving is like nobody wants to admit to being gift giving. <laughs> I feel like it's more that words of affirm or acts of service are for people like me who don't know how to handle or express their emotion. It's for the like, <laughs> it's for the robots of the world. <laughs> Maybe we're all just inherently judgy about our our own love languages. I think though, gift giving like who doesn't like giving a gift or getting a gift, right? Like, why is this? Who doesn't like any of these? That's the thing. Like, I know it's supposed to be which ones you prefer, but like, or which ones you're more deeply attuned to. And I guess I don't like some of them, but like, somebody's gonna give me a present or like do an act of service for me. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, no, yeah. it's about how you show your love, oh, not what you like to receive. It's what you oh, give, not what you receive. Okay. Oh, oh, never mind. Yeah, that's why I said Luke is acts of service because that's how he shows Lorelai. I think mine is still words of affirmation, actually. Anyway, back on topic, Rory then suggests that they ask Max to go ice skating with them. And Lorelai is really freaked out, number one, because Rory uses Max's first name, not Norman. And she's also more freaked out that it seems like Rory wants Max in their lives or is like increasingly open to that. And so she's like, uh, really? You can see her recoil emotionally mm-hmm. from that and then we get Suki and Lorelai in the Gilmore's house post ice skating and we get the follow-up on that clearly Lorelai has been thinking about the fact that she's got to pull back from this and Suki calls her out on like always ending relationships after two months and being afraid that she's gonna get hurt not Rory I will say though that I think that Lorelai is also right that she is worried about Rory getting attached Mm-hmm. Like I think she's more worried about herself getting attached and being hurt emotionally, but I think that she is actually genuinely like, uh-oh, what if we do break up? This is the first guy that I've involved Rory with that's got involved in Rory's life, and plus he's her teacher, so I think that's a valid concern. Yeah. Why anybody was acting like this was normal to begin with, I don't remember. Did Suki have a conversation with Lorelai about, like, this is weird. I, I feel like there was this one time that they were walking through Stars Hall and they were talking about whether or not she could date. So Max. they had that convo in Luke's diner when Lorelai was like, it'll be nice to get some. And right, right. random truckery guy was like, I know what she means. That one. Suki's kind of been pro relation, pro Max. Yeah. It's just, it's such a bad idea. And we like, we all see it. I just don't understand why no one on the, on the show, like why Suki jumps right to this is your thing rather than acknowledging. You shouldn't have been doing this at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If one of my friends like had this, like I noticed they were pulling back from this relationship. I'd be like, yeah, I think it's probably a good idea to be completely honest. I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do like this as a, a good friendship scene yes. between Suki and Lorelai, I like that it shows how friends can have little moments of drama that then can be eased. You know, one Lorelai immediately realizes that she's overstepped when she, 
I don't even know if we said this yet, that she snaps at Suki and she says, since when did you become the relationship expert? You haven't been in a relationship in years. And then she's like, immediately, like Suki tenses up and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was so inappropriate. And I like that they they show that on camera. You know, it doesn't like blow up into something super dramatic. It's just like, ooh, I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And I love you. And then they move on. Yeah, or like part of like strong friendship is knowing which buttons you could push. Yeah, and I think that it also gets Suki thinking about Jackson, which is as painful as it is to watch her like momentarily be upset about it. I love that the fact that it's the catalyst for for one of my favorite relationships in the series. But I agree. I like this scene because I think that I love Lorelai and Suki's friendship. I think it's really rich throughout the series. And I, I just, you're right. Like, these moments happen in friendship and you so rarely see them on TV. Also, iconic Lorelai ice skating outfit alert. Oh, yeah. It's so cute. <laughs> I love it. The pigtails yeah. and the feathers around the wrists. Oh, I don't know if I've talked about this yet on the show, but like I am obsessed with Lorelai's pigtail looks. I Googled yeah. them a lot and there's not enough like Lorelai screenshots of Lorelai pigtails. And I'm kind of like, I need to go in and do it on Netflix. I'm going to absolutely make our social posts this week, like some Lorelai pigtails content. Yes. Yeah. She can rock some pigtails. She looks super cute. She went all in on the outfit for like the event. Like <laughs> she does when she, when Luke teaches her how to fish and she like dresses up in the fishing costume. Yes. I love someone who goes all out for an event. So the next scene, we're at back at Chilton, and we hear Tristan gossiping about Paris's parents' divorce. So we've been recording for almost an hour now, and this is the first time that I think we're seeing Paris. <laughs> the title of the episode, Paris is Burning. We're finally getting to Paris. I think we briefly see her when, like, at, in the scene with Max teaching Emily Dickinson. Oh, right. And Louise are talking about parents, Paris's parents' divorce, which is like when we do get the setup that like, oh, the whole school's talking about it. That's right. Yeah. But still, um, she's not a major character until the end of the episode. And actually, we kind of skipped over that. That's also the scene where they start gossiping about Max Medina's love life. Yes. They're mm-hmm. like, who do you think he's dating? He's probably dating someone stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, and we get the iconic line from Madeline and Louise that Madeline's like, is it true that Paris's mom got the entire back of her body surgically reconstructed? And Louise says, well, it doesn't match the front, does it? (laughs) My question has always been, why would you need to get the back of your body surgically reconstructed? Does she mean she got like a butt? I mean, this is pre-BBL, so... But like, what other surgery? That's because I was always like, oh, maybe she got her butt done. But then I'm like, what other surgeries could you have on your back? Like, she clearly means, means the entire back. Like, did she just have her skin, like, taken off and put back on? <laughs> Transplant. She got, like, molted. Okay. So what happens in this scene is that Max, like, is teaching. And then everybody files out. And Max stops Rory and is like, hey, Rory, and, like, is very clearly uncomfortable. And it's like, I haven't heard from your mom recently. Uh, is she coming to Parents' Day? And, like, I've just been worried about her. Uh, Not to get on my, like, teacher soapbox again, but, like, dude, what are you doing? It's another example of what you were saying, Catherine, of, like, Lorelai will realize that her idea that she can separate dating Max from, like, the school Max is completely impossible. Because, like, he's bringing this stuff up 
in a school context, which is totally inappropriate. If he didn't do things like this, maybe I would have a better <laughs> view of the relationship. But I think it's hard for me to watch it knowing that like he oversteps these boundaries. And then when Lorelai finds out in the next scene, she's really mad. And I think she has the right to be. It's just, oh, it's just so inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. Like, it would be inappropriate regardless of whether or not he was her teacher to, like, go to the child of the woman that you're dating to say, yeah. like, hey, your mom hasn't called me in a while. Uh, That's true. I didn't think about that. Can you imagine? <laughs> it might be even weirder if, like, you're not the child's teacher. I mean, it's less inappropriate, but, like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, conservatively, they have not seen each other in, like, a couple days. And they've only been dating for anywhere between, like, a couple weeks and a, maybe, like, a, a month, a couple months. Yeah. And, like, it's a pre-cell phone, pre-texting era. I feel like it was so much more normal to go without being in constant contact with someone for, like, way longer back then. Not back then. Yeah. Anyway. We all know that he knows how to leave a message on her answering machine. <laughs> And the Warren you know, writer lady knows that Max can leave enough. <laughs> happens in. This is Max Medina. Max Medina. No. <laughs> but yeah, like, I just don't. Ugh. It's weird. It's very uncomfortable. And I know they had been in, like, really, they had been seeing each other a lot before this. But just, like, recognize that she's not contacting you. Give her some space. Who cares? Yeah. Go, go to a movie or something. Yeah. And even in the face of the show so because i know we took a break so i'm trying to so the last episode was forgiveness and stuff and then before that was the dance right yes Mm -hmm. yeah so max wasn't even addressed he wasn't even talked about in roy's dance um i don't remember is he mentioned at all in no not in forgiveness and stuff so then we get to this episode and they're like oh you're seeing each other constantly you're obsessed with each other it's like when (laughs) when was that happening (laughs) this happened yeah but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, since when when are are we supposed to believe that this relationship has been going on hot and heavy for that long? Like, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so long. And they're so obsessed with each other that a few days without hearing from her, Max is like, has to resort to quitting <laughs> Rory. Yeah, I just hate it. But it's clearly meant to show that, like, this is kind of breaking down this, this yeah. idea yeah. of relationship. Which I think in that sense, good writing. But yeah, I just hate Max. So <laughs> Lorelai finds, like, Rory tells Lorelai that. She's like, Max was asking about you, essentially. Like, and Lorelai flips. She's not happy. Yeah. So they're cleaning out the refrigerator and deciding what old takeout to throw away. And there's this, like, debate. They have, like, two pizza boxes, and there's, like, pizza that's definitely too old, and then there's pizza that's, like, from a few days ago or something. And I bring this up for a reason that I will get to. (laughs) But Lorelai, like, throws out the wrong pizza. They're gossiping about Paris. Lorelai calls Rory the new Heather because Madeline Madeline and Louise said hi to her, which I think is really funny. We love a Heather's reference. (laughs) But then it is revealed by Rory that Max was asking about Lorelai and Lorelai gets really upset and rightfully so. And then Rory figures out because Lorelai makes it super obvious that like she's planning on dumping Max and gets pissed. I know that the I want to break up with Max because Rory is getting attached is a fake story, but I feel like that just adds credence. Like that validates her saying that. Yeah. I don't know. 
Because, like, I don't, I think, I don't think it is. A, I mean, I think that the characters in the show treat it like it's a fake story, but I think, like, it's something to legit be worried about. And I think Lorelai is probably freaked out about it. Not as much yeah. as she's worried about herself getting attached to Max, but, like, Rory really has seemed to, seemed to like, cotton on to him within a couple days and is, like, yeah. very upset about this possibility. And she's already attached to him because he's her teacher and she likes him. So that would set off warning signs for me if I were, like, her mom. Do you think that the issue is that she's afraid that Rory's going to get hurt or she's afraid that their life could change if, like, mm. Max becomes such a big part of it? Um, I think that's also part of it. I think that it's it, it's the first one, too. Yeah. Because we'll see yeah. later, she definitely is afraid of their life changing. Yeah. That becomes really evident in season two. This is a hard left to the fridge. There's a... <laughs> container of chef boyardee in the fridge like, who puts that there the label is like, turned yeah. for copyright reasons but if you look at their fridge door it's in the top shelf all the way on the left and it's not the can it's the like plastic microwavable one oh. in the fridge <laughs> that? that's shelf stable my dudes <laughs> get it together guys First the clown pillow, now Chef Boyardee in the fridge. Pet dressers. Props is messing up in this episode. They're usually really on point in Gilmore Girls, but not today. I will say, as a child, I did like the Chef Boyardee raviolis. Like, I really enjoyed them. I just don't love, like, a ton of red sauce on pasta. So it was always a lot of – it was an overwhelming experience for me. It's a lot of sugar (laughs) and a lot of salt. It's a lot of salt. (laughs) I was an Easy Mac person, though, for many, many years. Who, yeah, who wasn't? Catherine, you wanted to mention something about the pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So w- this is a good transition from the yeah. fridge. So I've never noticed this before, but so Lorelai and Rory are like, there's a tense moment. And Lorelai, actually, after Rory leaves, she reaches in the trash and takes out the pizza box, presumably to eat the pizza <laughs> that she <laughs> thrown away. I think that's defensible. <laughs> it was in the box. It and it's from this Tuesday, not last Tuesday. Because <laughs> she had wanted to take it back out of the trash when right. Rory was there. Rory's like, no. <laughs> Rory's a no-trash pizza individual. She's a Nancy Kerrigan. Tanya Harding takes the pizza out of the trash, especially since it's this Tuesday's pizza. It's just like this whole episode is so on the nose of Lorelai's immature. Yeah. Lorelai's more like a teenager. <laughs> Yeah. She's going to eat trash pizza. I think trash um, pizza is valid at any age. Yeah, it's not like George Costanza and the Eclair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is, I suppose, also debatable, but in my book, no, no, no. No, no, I think that's, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at Chilton. <laughs> I think it's crucial to mention that we see Lorelai and Rory walking down the hall, and Lorelai has the copy of Proust, like, under her arm. Like, she's intending to give it back. And we see them walk past Paris and her mother, and then they stop at Rory's locker and talk about their agenda for the day. Paris's mom is so freaking scary. Yeah, she, like, is talking about Paris's acne, which Paris doesn't have. Yeah, Liza Wheel um, always looks great. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like, Are you using that cleanser I bought you? 
It's so and it's sad. Like the only time I think throughout the series that we, or maybe until she starts dating, what's his face, that we see Paris like look small. Like she yeah. is just being totally like we're so used to seeing Paris being the alpha in every situation, and like this is a total one eighty from that. When she has to be spoken at by her mother, she just has to like sit there quietly. Yeah, and I guess you can see too, like that she's clearly the person she is of like this kind of speaking style and like cruelty because that's what she's the way she's been spoken to all her life. Yeah, she, her mom yeah. is just berating her. Yeah, I have always thought that this woman, this actress, she's fine and she's scary. Like she has this mean rich lady vibe to do her with her like pashmina um and her diamond earrings but like she's not based on what we know about paris's mom both now and then later in i guess season two she's not who like really who i envision i envision someone more like logan's mom like a real housewife type you know, because she, we know she got this like reconstructive surgery. And then later it's mentioned that she like goes to France to get some sort of facelift or some sort of filler in her face. So she has to sleep on her back or Paris says, or her face will flatten like a crepe. So I just always pictured her as being, I don't know, like really Botoxed and Fake I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's 2001. So like the real housewife stereotype wasn't so much in the cultural like imagination but i feel like there was a yeah a you know sort. yeah they make her really kind of like powered businesswoman looking yeah Ooh. yeah like i think the affect is fine but like the styling always she struck me as like someone who would be in an 80s ad for like business yeah right and we that just doesn't match i think you're right with anything we're told about paris's mom in other episodes this is the only time we see her yeah yeah we see Nanny, of course, a lot. And I love oh, yeah. Nanny. I love Nanny. Lorelai says something that I think sucks right here. She's like, doesn't that, but that makes you pretty glad to have me or something like that. Oh, Yikes. Shut up, Lorelai. That's such an awful thing to say. See, I'm not so bad. <laughs> Look at that. Like, yeah, Lorelai, you're about to be pretty freaking bad too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Should we do the scene? Yeah. Yes. So, transition moment. We learn that the first class that Rory has every day is literature with Max Medina. So, that is where they go. I will say that's the moment of actual continuity because Rory is late for the test in the morning that one time. Yeah, good work. Good work on this one. I'm always like, yeah, all right, Gilmore Girls Fair. (laughs) Cool. I didn't notice that. It's like it's just a plot contrivance, but it apparently isn't. And so... From there, we cut to a Max Medina lecture where he says, you know, gives them the rundown on what's going to be coming next and then says, usually I would end this by impressing you all with a reading from Proust. Which one is it? Swan? Swan's Way. I almost said Swan Lake. I was like, that's wrong. But he says he has conveniently misplaced his copy, Yeah. which, you know, dramatic irony. We know where it is. <laughs> This is really dumb, but I've never liked that moment because I always expect him to be like, impress the parents by bringing out my first edition or something. And then he's just like, by reading. <laughs> Why would it impress parents to read Proust out loud? I mean, it's just words. I don't know. <laughs> like, I always feel like there's a lead up, like there's something really impressive that's about to happen. And then he's just like, <laughs> but I don't have it. Like he's going to do a magic trick or something. <laughs> yes. And now, ladies and gentlemen... 
my science teacher in eighth grade started our first day of class by eating a candle. And that was that was shocking. That was impressive. And she was like, we'll learn how to make like this is an edible candle at, after she ate it. We were all like, what? That's like very science teacher. Like, <laughs> hey, kids, science is cool. I loved it. I was obsessed with it. I still like good for you. That was awesome. <laughs> I would love to see Max Medina eat a candle. He should have eaten a book. <laughs> it's, it's like, a show, like, is it cake? <laughs> 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 no, but I impressed you by reading from this book, but instead, <laughs> I'm going cake. to eat it. If Max Medina had eaten a book, I would have <laughs> back every bad thing I had said about him and said perhaps he and Lola should get married. That would have been unbelievable. Now, I can really picture him vividly his op- him opening up his mouth really wide and just like shoving a book in. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that's kind of struck me is that there's a ton of stuff that happens in this episode, but this episode is also a little boring yes. in a way. Very like, dialogue driven. Yeah. It's not very yeah. plot heavy. But like us talking about Max eating a book has like been the most fun. <laughs> like inventing this insane thing. But it's not a boring episode, but it kind of, I like, I just noticed I didn't take as many notes as usual. And I don't I know. The essential Gilmore Girls sense of fun and good writing that is present in most of the rest of the show. Like we just get so much other like fun character moments and like cute funny dialogue and like cute. Yeah, this one isn't fun. There's nothing yeah. fun about this episode. This episode is painful to watch. And even in an episode like Forgiveness and Stuff that has really difficult to watch moments or Rory's dance, like you get the Santa Burger in Forgiveness and Stuff. You know, there's no Santa Burger. In this episode, we had to make our own Maxine. (laughs) This is just like a very by the numbers, dry, like we needed this to happen for the plot episode for me. Yeah, I said I liked it, but I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of reconsidering that. I think the first half of it's fine. Yeah. Um, It goes off the rails right now. Yeah, Yeah, right about now. I'm stopping to be like, this is boring right before the big moment. But also (laughs) this big moment happens with like, like at 30 minutes into the 43 minute episode. Yeah. And it's so, not even a fun blow up. Like there are fights on Gilmore Girls that are like enjoyable to watch, even if they're painful. This is not one of them. Yeah. And so here we are sitting in Mr. Medina's class. He dismisses them all. And Lorelai stays behind and tries to give him the book back. And then they have a oh. very... Ugh. Yes. I hate this. And I hate this because, number one, I do want to say that I think it's inappropriate for Lorelai to use Parents Day as a way to like give him the book back and break up with him. This is after Rory has said in that scene in the house where she's like, I'm not going to give him the book back, handle this yourself, which I think is right. Lorelai should have either not gone to Parents Day or gone to Parents Day and just like left the classroom after called Max, scheduled a talk at a coffee shop, which we know she can do because they have a talk at a coffee shop later in the episode, and been, and done it there. It is unbelievable and immature and stupid to use Parents' Day, an event at your kid's school, as a chance to like give this book back and then imply you're going to break up with him. That being said, Max should have shut this down immediately when he figured out what was going on. He should have been like, all right, let's meet at a coffee shop and we can figure this out. Not like I'm going to have a weird blow up with you in my workplace. Imagine you with someone at your job. She tries to break up with him and his response is, 
to engage this conversation at work. Right? The fact that he doesn't let her break up with him is, I think, the reason I truly hate Max Medina. Like, he, his logic here, I think, is very weird and upsetting. It, 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 it's like, oh, I can tell that you don't really want to break up with me. But instead of, like, talking about that, I'm going to kind of be, like, weirdly aggressive with you and be like, at one point, he's like, I'm not letting you off that easy. What? <laughs> Who said that? Like, I wrote down some of the stuff he says because I think it's actually crazy. The way it looks so much worse. Like, it's a bad scene, but I noticed myself sort of getting, like, in, like I get invested in it. Like, oh, no. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, but seeing it written down, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. She says, I just need space. And he's, he says, well, I don't. <laughs> okay. And he says, I'm not going to let you off that easily. He calls her behavior weak, pathetic, and beneath you. She's just trying to break up with him. And I think the show wants you to think that, oh, because I've spent the, it spent the past, you know, episode, like the whole episode showing you that Lorelai is afraid of getting hurt and that she does really like him. Max knows that and can sense that. And this is an acceptable way to talk to her. But I think that even if all of that is true, that like she is worried and that's, and she doesn't really want to break up with him. She's just doing it because she's scared. This is still not an acceptable way to engage that conversation. You can like deescalate the situation and be like, okay, listen, I respect that you want to do this. Could we talk about it? Why do you feel that way? Not being like, I'm not going to let you break up with me. And you're like, weak and pathetic. I understand it's for dramatic reasons. And this is a television show. But I <laughs> want to make Max a character we like and root for, which they do. They could still have a scene that's dramatic and maybe even takes place in the classroom, but that isn't like, doesn't make him actively unlikable. I do kind of like that he calls Lorelai out on her bullshit, though. Like, I know that he does it in the worst way possible, and this is not how you should ever engage in a breakup. Like, if somebody is telling you what they want, like, he can see right through what she's doing, even if I don't like how he did it or the fact that he did it at all. See, I like Emily calling Lorelai out on her bullshit in the next scene, because I think that is, or in the next couple of scenes, because I think that's, like, a legit thing. I do think that some of Lorelai's concerns here are, like, real, though. Like, she is worried about Rory getting attached and you know I just don't eh, makes me uncomfortable it's in 100% inappropriate the only thing that I was thinking is if someone's trying to break up with you it would probably be pretty hard to be like no let's table this and talk about it <laughs> uh, you know let's meet somewhere I mean then to just I mean I think that anybody would have the impulse to be no. like no 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 but like you know he is at work, though. Like, I think that if somebody tried to, you know, in your house, you're like, okay, yeah. And you'd want to, you'd want to, like, yell at somebody if they were trying to bring up with you at your job. But I think you would be like, yeah, I'm at my freaking job. Like, what if I get fired? I think would be the impulse for me. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, just saying that. Say, saying, like, okay, I, I understand these are your feelings, but I'm at work. This is yeah. not the place. I think if Max's girlfriend, who was, like, a saleswoman, came to him at work and had tried to break up with him, it would be a much different situation and maybe more appropriate to have this talk than like if Max's girlfriend, his student's mom had on this parents day. Parents day. Like I think <laughs> the extenuating circumstances make it even worse. I will say that this is clearly designed to show and the fact that Paris is gonna see them kissing is clearly designed to show why this relationship isn't working in this particular setup and why it can't continue this way. 
I think there's a way to do this scene that shows that that works. I think this scene doesn't because the dialogue is so friggin' bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Oh, yeah. And they kind of do this weird song and dance where she is like a student. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hate it. I hate it. The weird role play of the earlier part of the episode. You wrote it down. And I didn't even remember it. Like, it just went over my head until I saw it written. Then I was like, ew. Let me read this to you. Lorelai is it the line says, about class not being in session. Lorelai says, class is over. And Max says, well, we're back in session. And Lorelai <laughs> I didn't raise my hand, so don't call on me. I wrote, ah, maybe the worst set of lines in the whole series. Mine is all caps, gross, you stop. <laughs> I just, like, I didn't register that. (laughs) It's so terrible. I also want to give an honorable mention to the line, what are we in high school? Well, not literally in high school. I thought the line was, wait, are we in high school? Well, we're literally in high school. Oh, is that what she says? All right. I think it's the same thing. Because they are, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's so bad. It's not good, though. And then, as with all breakups, most breakups, it ends in making out. <laughs> <sighs> so, like, ugh, even though Lorelai is trying to break up with him, they're still attracted to each other, which, like, sure, whatever. But don't kiss in your freaking kid's school. Because her rival will definitely see and tell the whole school. <laughs> yeah, so Paris sees and... I think, understandably, I'm kind of on Paris's side here. <laughs> Your reaction is like, I'm going to tell everybody about this because people have been spending like weeks harassing me about my crap. I don't like Rory yeah. And understandably, this is like incredible gossip. Yeah, I also will say I really like the cinematography when they go into the cafeteria and we just see it's Paris going from like it's these long tables and Paris is on the opposite side of us as a viewer and you can just see her start to whisper in somebody's ear and just the visual of seeing that gossip spread as she goes from table to table I thought that was really good I liked that a lot I actually really that's like one of my favorite parts of this in the episode (laughs) I think it's really well staged and and I don't like this, but I but similarly I like when Tristan like goes up to Rory and like kind of blows a kiss at her. <laughs> it's just so mean. I don't know why I like it. It just makes me laugh. Yeah, it looks like a musical or a stage play, like the way yeah. it up too. And I think mm-hmm. like just the cherry on the the cake, of the ice cream sundae of this. Yeah, so- I think I also just think of all high school cafeteria scenes. The where my brain goes first is in uh, High School Musical, Stick to the Status Quo. And so. <laughs> I love this cafeteria, too. I think it's like a fun scene to watch things in. Yeah. And of course, Rory comes in and everybody's talking and she finds out from Paris that like Paris went and saw this and ratted on her mom and that her mom was kissing Max Benita in the school. But I do think that Rory's reaction here has always struck me as like a little weird Maybe this is just my personal feelings, but like my number one response would be like, I'm very mad at my mom for making out with my teacher in school. I know. Not like I'm mad because my mom was breaking up with him in school. Is that weird to anyone else? Yeah, I. it didn't strike me as weird. I think it's just everything. It just, it's it's all bad. It's yeah. all bad. 
that she's that she's just like feeling like everything is happening right now and she just kind of has to like pick something to blow up over yeah yeah i think that's Um, fair yeah i see what you're saying though that she only articulates that she's upset about lorelei breaking up with max but also rory does like max and then it's gonna be weird in class with max yeah I mean, this whole episode is like it's designed and it is designed to show the worst case scenario of why your mom shouldn't date your teacher. Mm-hmm. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong here. And it's like designed plot wise to show why like Lorelai and Max have to take a break. But like this is stuff we've been saying and any sane rational adult would be saying from the first time Max just showed up on the show. But I think it, you're right, Catherine, like it does show that Rory is attached to Max. And I think that it's valid that like Lorelai has the right to be concerned about that because Max is her teacher. And that would be awkward. Even if Lorelai had never come to the school, it would have been so awkward if she and Max had broken up and then Rory has to sit in Max's class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, as we know later when, well, I won't, I won't spoil anything, but the, the awkwardness continues. The awkwardness continues for years, really. Uh, off and on. I honestly almost forgot that he's in the show after this episode. And when I remembered, I was like, going to have yeah. to talk about Max Medina for years to come in my life. <laughs> Great. But yeah, they so they have the fight. They're obviously really pissed. And then they go to Friday night dinner where Emily is about to lay the smack down. And I think rightfully so. Yeah, this is yeah. one of my favorite Emily scenes because she actually doesn't overreact or act inappropriately. She's I think just- yeah, I think she appropriately reacts to this. Yeah. Yeah. Usually there's like you can see Lorelai's side and Emily's side, and like one of them overreacts, or like they both overreact. Emily is 100 percent right here. Lorelai is 100% wrong, and Emily reacts appropriately, and I think, like, in a measured way. Yeah, it's not like Emily doesn't, like, drag up a bunch of stuff from her childhood or anything like that. She's just like, are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and she makes a good point, which is, like, her daughter is the most important thing. Rory's the most important thing, and, like, she's basically humiliating her kid. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It's so, so bad. Yeah, Yeah. and we have to remember that nobody knew that they were dating. So it's not like it's revealed that they're dating. It just looks like mm. Lorelai started making out with a teacher <laughs> randomly. Like the first teacher she saw. Yeah. yeah. Which of course confirms- That's a really good point. Yeah, I never thought about that. And it confirms how Emily thinks about Lorelai. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God Richard's not in the episode. This would have killed Richard. Yeah. <laughs> recovering from his angina. And this would have just finished him off. Oh, God. But yeah, then we see Lorelai and Max meeting in a coffee shop, proving they can, in fact, have meet places that don't also have like 14 to 18 year olds around. It's the same coffee shop they met in with the weird name. I forget what it is. Yeah. Is it about fish? or? Yeah, it was like uh, yesterday's, tomorrow's fish, yesterday's fish. And then they have, I actually think, a very mature talk about this. Finally. <laughs> Finally, you two are adults. It's no fish today, is the name of no the coffee fish shop. today. That's right. So so I think it's funny, like if we're if we're gonna lean into this like Lorelai's the kid and Rory's the parent, like role reversal situation. I think it's funny that Lorelai gets in trouble with her mom, with Rory, and then also her mom. And Max gets called into the principal's office. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a good comment. <laughs> but apparently Headmaster Charleston said that Max was putting his career in jeopardy. And 
Max realizes that, yeah, that this has never been a good idea. This directly contradicts what Max assured Lorelai and all of us um, <laughs> that like there was nothing in the Chilton bylaws that prevented him from dating a parent. The which... bylaws do not explicitly say I cannot date you. So therefore we are good. Would we, we all pointed out was super weird. If you have to like look up the rules to make sure that what you're doing is not like illegal or like a bad thing or gonna cost you your job, then maybe you should take a beat and like not do that thing. So I don't know. I just thought that was funny because he was so insistent upon it. And then Headmaster Charleston accurately informed him that no, this is a terrible idea. And you're risking your career. So I think the way you're supposed to read it is like Max knew in his heart that this is the wrong thing to do, but like he was so he wanted to pursue it so badly because he was so into Lorelei. And now like that the cult light of day has dawned, he like he's like a freaking moron. But I agree that like the way it's written in the show does not set that up in the best way that it could at all. It makes it makes it seem like he was like rifling through the chill and handbook with a <laughs> highlighter being like, oh, nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they don't know what to do. They really like each other. I mean, do they break up? Do we consider them as like breaking up? I guess this will come up later. I think it is a breakup. What do you guys think? I Yeah, given the tone of the conversation and Lorelai's reaction. I think it's a breakup, not a break. Though it is phrased like a break. Mm -hmm. But but I think you're right. Like the tone, the way they speak and the tone of the conversation in general and like their faces make it clear that this is a breakup. Yeah. I will say that also Lorelai gives like a very articulate explanation of like how she was thinking during this whole episode, which Mm -hmm. is like she basically says and how I've kind of been reading back into it. She's like, I heard, you know, Rory talk and invite you to ice skating and use your real name. And she's never used a guy's real name before. And she's never met any of the guys that I've been into before. And I got concerned because I thought she was, you know, really getting attached to you and what would happen if we broke up. And then I thought, oh, no, if we if we break up, I'll be really devastated. So first she was worried about Rory and then she was worried about herself. And I think that that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Lorelai, you were worried about yourself all along. (laughs) No, but I think she was worried about Lorelai, like or Rory. I think like the everybody, (laughs) the everybody in the episode has been like insisting, like, no, you were only worried about yourself getting hurt. But I think she's like, yeah, I like genuinely was worried about Rory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both can be true. Yeah, both can be true. I guess is what I'm saying. That she only insisted she was worried about Rory, but no, like it was both. Yeah. We skipped over two things though. Before we get to the last scene, I just want to go back to. Rory standing up to Paris. I just, I think it's a great moment for Rory. We've pointed this out throughout season one, how Rory just, she's presented as being sort of meek and demure and, you know. Very passive, yeah. Yeah, but she stands up for herself. She does not take shit from Tristan or Paris. And I just love how she confronts Paris in the cafeteria and actually like extends compassion to her. Mm-hmm. I just think that's such a wonderful, wonderful moment. Yeah. And of course, Paris says, we are not friends. <laughs> but if I do want to, I'll let you know if I want to talk. But we are not friends. <laughs> I, you, I probably won't. But I, I love yeah. what she said that and she like keeps repeating. <laughs> I also like, I don't know why, but when I was watching this, I was like, 
interaction is a little bit sexually charged. <laughs> I was, like, this is, is this the root of the Rory Paris fanfic that's on the internet? Because there's, there's some tension in that scene. Paris says, when Rory asks to talk to her, she's like, you're not going to kiss me, are you? Oh, Which right. is, because Paris, spoiler alert, kisses Rory. Later. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they go on spring break. Yeah. yeah. And like there, I think that, that a lot of their later interactions become very sexually charged on Paris's part, or just yeah, yeah. or at least they're like staged that way where they like have a bit of homoeroticism. But yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm not the only one who picked up on that. I mean, it's explicitly said. Yeah. What and then after that, we see this cute little scene in the kitchen of the Independence yeah. with Suki and Jackson. Jackson is bringing her her squash blossoms that she's been asking for and lamenting the fact that all creativity in the or adventurousness in the American palette is gone. And Suki like very nervously asks him if he wants to get dinner sometime. Oh. And he's like so okay. cute. Like, okay. It's so cute. I love them. I love them so much. We healthy relationship goals. I know. Well until season seven. We can talk about that when we get there. Problematic fan fiction. And I guess the very last episode, or the last scene of the episode, oh, it's, it's so sad. We see Rory come home from somewhere, and she's kind of looking around for her mom, and then finds her upstairs crying in bed. Oh, so sad. Our- as we'll soon learn that it's called. Yeah. It's our first instance of Gilmore Girls wallowing, comma, non-official. Yeah. But- <laughs> Reminds me so much of this scene in season five when Luke and Lorelai briefly break up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, was- me too. Yeah, so I guess that answers the question about whether we th- think they broke up. Clearly, to Lorelai, that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's how the episode ends. That's it. <laughs> do you guys want to rate it before we do segments? Can I get yeah. two ratings? Yes. One of like, how much do I enjoy this episode? Yes. And. <laughs> The companion rating of, like, do I think it's a good, quote-unquote, good episode? But my enjoyment is, like, a negative 12. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think it's an important episode, and it's not that that fun, but I'm going to give it, like, a seven and a half, maybe a seven. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that my opinion has changed. I've, I've, like this i thought i liked this episode but it just i might even give it i'm not gonna do two different ones two different ratings i think maybe a 6.5 i was just thinking i should walk back my seven to a 6.5 yeah it's not i don't know i just think like at least for me i hit the nail on the head when i realized like oh this is kind of a boring episode <laughs> which is weird because it has so much drama like so much stuff happens but yeah i don't know so yeah 6.5 i'm giving this episode a two um, <laughs> <laughs> i think mostly motivated by my own personal grievances but i think also that it's uncomfortable okay it's uncomfortable to watch and i hate max in this but i also think that there are genuinely interesting emotional reactions and like dynamics that could be teased out really well here and aren't and writing that could be much better here and isn't and i think mm-hmm. it's kind of like an utterly joyless episode you're me. right it could have been so much better i think th- what happens here plot wise is important 
And I think that like a lot of the emotional dynamics that are like that we're teasing out in the episode are important. I don't think the, the episode does a good job in telling that story. And I don't think it does a good job in like making those dynamics obvious. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it a two. And <laughs> my mom and my brother listen to this podcast and they they joke about the fact that I always am like, and I love this episode. I hate this episode. <laughs> but to segue into segments there are some like small things i like about it mostly fashion (laughs) the fashion is good lorelei's real good lorelei's ice skating outfit is a top for me i all time it's great Mm -hmm. okay grace what is your what is your problem with the friday night dinner like the blue sweater with the polka dots like what's i said i love i pay polka dot defender love that sweater sweater in the abstract I don't think, and I would wear it. I don't think it's a Lorelai sweater. And I think it's too casual for Friday night dinner. Definitely too casual for Friday night dinner. I do think it's a Lorelai sweater, though. She has so many, like, weirdly patterned or, like, weirdly graphicked. That's, you know what? Of apparel. And there's sequins. It's sparkly. You've convinced me. I think it's not a Lorelai Friday night dinner outfit, but it's a Lorelai around the house or at work outfit. I think that's fair. It's cute. I like that they're putting Lorelai in lots of blues. Oh, what is that quote from Fr- – there's a quote at Friday Night Dinner where Emily's like, Lorelai wants to change the subject. And Emily goes, blue is a very pleasant color. That looks the best. But, yeah, Lorelai's in a lot of, like, pastel blues and, like, playing up her eyes. I just think she always, of course, looks great in light blue. I, li- I really like the sweater she's wearing when she's having dinner at Max's. I love the outfit she's wearing at the coffee shop at the end, like the turtleneck and like with like a V-neck sweater over it and then the jacket. But my problem is the is the cold open tie-dye, like orange tie-dye baseball t-shirt with rhinestones like around the numbers. It's like the t-shirt says like number 33 and it's got rhinestones all over it. For me, from the cold open was the hat. Oh, well, the hat, yes. The beanie looks like a skull cap. Like it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it reminds me of this very specific American Girl doll outfit. <laughs> Which doll? Um. So there's a newer one that came out like after we both probably aged out of the American Girl universe called Julie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My in-laws used to get an American Girl catalog for my niece. Mm-hmm. And I would re- I always read them because I loved American Girl when yeah, I was a kid. I and I know the Julie. Yeah, her like meet uh, her. Oh God, her like meet me outfit that has the like purple knit. Oh, I forgot they all had like meet Julie or like meet Josephine outfit. Oh my God, I think she's the seventies. Yeah, one, right. Oh, yeah, cool. They had somebody from the seventies. That's fun. I would be interested in the American Girl to Gilmore Girls fan pipeline. Pipeline. Yeah. yeah. Be a complete circle. Like if you like Gilmore Girls, you are an American Girl doll person. <laughs> do we have and do we have Gilmore Girl stuff? Oh yeah, I wrote one. There's a psycho uh, reference, but yeah, I did want to mention the pop culture references though. Obviously, Proust, Emily Dickinson, Walt Whitman, Psycho, and then um, The Shining. There's when Lorelai and Rory are in the kitchen talking about Paris. She talks about how Madeline and Louise said hi to her and Lorelai's like a nice hi or like a here's Johnny <laughs> <laughs> and I like that 
and then Heather's. There's an odd couple reference. And of course, mm-hmm. Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding scandal. But my Kilmore Girls was inspired by both Psycho and The Shining. And that is that driven crazy by the loss of Lorelai and the potential dissolution of his career, Max buys an inn in an isolated part of Maine and slowly loses his mind. I would watch that show. <laughs> yeah. Or I would at least tell myself I was going to watch it. That's your <laughs> nice job, Catherine. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to make it grislier. And then I was like, I don't want to think about that, actually. I'm just going to end it there. Grizzliness <laughs> is implied. I think this is a very fun episode of the pod, despite the fact this is not a fun episode of Gilmore Girls. Yeah. 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 You gotta fun, you gotta make your own fun. You gotta make your own fun. You gotta make your own Max Medina eating a book. Max Medina eating a book, Max Medina turning into Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> or Norman so, Bates. Yeah. So <laughs> I also wanna say we just hit a thousand downloads and we have listeners from so many different parts of the world and i just want to say thank you i am really really grateful to everybody thank out there. thank you that's awesome so many puffs yay <laughs> thanks for ringing the bell with us everybody and we'll, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back next week <laughs>